by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Bold, persistent, expectant, and vigilant. And if you're filling out your sheet, I think that's one of the questions there. Let me say it again. Bold, persistent, expectant, and vigilant. I know it's a pretty long title, but you'll you'll get it as we go along. Now, when I got saved some many years ago, I guess about two years into my salvation, I was listening to a lot of faith tapes, you know, how to build your faith and how to walk by faith and all these things. And I, w- I was considering myself a man of faith, you know. And I got off of work one day and went out and got in my truck and turned the key and it said, click, click. Don't y'all hate that sound? How many know what I'm talking about? Click, click. Anyway, I got out of the cr- truck, opened my hood, went around, opened it like men that don't know nothing about cars. They just stare at the engine like... Like something's going to pop out, like, oh, there it is, you know, like, oh, the, the, the thingamajiggy's missing. No, you don't know what you're doing. And, and so I go over there, and I twist the battery cables. That's about the extent of my car knowledge. And I go back and get in there, and I try it again, and click, click. And then something clicked on the inside of me. I'm a man of faith and power. I believe in Jesus. What am I doing trying to fix this thing? I got out and I went back around the front of that truck and I laid my hands on that truck. And I said, I don't remember what I said, but it was something along the lines of, Lord Jesus, you're a powerful God and and you can crank this truck and I believe by faith I receive it in Jesus' name. And I walked around, got in there, and I was expecting that truck to crank. And I turned that key and guess what happened it said bum, 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 bum. Woo! I said yes sir I jumped out and did a happy dance you know you know how you do those happy dance I was excited yes my god it's real Woo! I didn't care what anybody at my job thought you know I shouted and praised God all the way home the next day was Saturday and I went to music practice at the church and uh, I got out a little early and went out to my truck went to crank it I said, that's all right. I know what to do. I got out the truck. I went around. I opened the hood. I looked at the engine, and I said, in the name of Jesus. And I said my my deal, and I went back and got in the truck, and I said, click, click. And somebody came out, and they said, you need a a jump? I said, no, I'm good. And they, they went on. And I got back out, and I said, maybe I didn't do say something right. I said, in the name of Jesus. And I did it again, and I came back, and click, click. And about that time, I think it was Richard Parvin, if I'm not mistaken, came out. And Richard said, you need, a, you need to be jumped off? I said, I guess so. <laughs> so he pulled his truck up there, hooked up the battery cables, and tried to jump it off, and it still wouldn't crank. He said, well, let me get up underneath it 
with a hammer and hit your starter and see if that'll, maybe it's stuck. And he hit my starter. You remember that, Richard? He hit my starter a couple times. Boom! Cranked right on up. But I think my faith sunk a little bit right there. How many of you think that maybe just that first time was just a coincidence that my tra truck crunk? Crunked it. It crunked it up. <laughs> Some of you think, well, maybe I didn't have enough faith the second time. Maybe I wasn't worked up. I hadn't worked up myself right. I wasn't believing just right. Well, we'll talk about that more when we get to the end of the service. Let's get on into our message, and let's recap what we've been talking about lately. Three weeks ago, when we started the series, we talked about Abraham and how he had built his faith to the point that he was willing to sacrifice his only son Isaac on an altar because God asked him to. Now, we know God didn't really want him to. He was testing his faith, and Abraham passed that test. It was awesome. It was the pinnacle of his faith, and we were all excited. Well, we need to be, have faith like that. But I thought to myself, well, we don't just need to start there. How did Abraham get there? He didn't start out with that kind of faith. So the next week, we, we started from the beginning. And we see that the first 75 years of Abram's life, Abram, before he was, his name was changed to Abraham, the first 75 years, if you were to listen in the spirit, you would hear, cricket, cricket, nothing. Nothing going on. He wasn't walking by faith. He was walking by sight. But God came along and asked him to do something big. He said, Abram, I want you to leave your family and your home and all your comfort and everything you know. Get up out of your barker lounger and get on the road and follow me. And so Abraham, or Abram did. And it was his first act of faith. And faith will cost you your comfort sometimes. If you want to just live a cushy life here on the earth, well, don't try to walk by faith. But you're not going to live a cushy life on the other side like that. That was for free. A couple of things we learned was that true faith operates by true love. Faith worketh by love. And when you put true faith and true love together, you got a recipe for some miracles to begin to happen in your life. When you got the right purposes behind what you're believing God for, it's a heart of love. And love is always thinking about others, not just what it can consume on itself. When you got a heart of love and a heart full of faith, you will see miracles in your life. Don't believe me? Try it sometimes. I had talked about how I'd, I'd gotten really good at sleeping through class. You remember that sermon if you were here? I'd put those mirror shades on and, and I could hold my head up and still be asleep. And the teacher think I'm just paying good attention in class. But we talked about that's not how to go through life. Don't go through class sleeping. Wake up and begin to live an extraordinary, supernatural life of faith. There's more out there than just sleeping your way through this life and, and sitting in the barca lounger thinking this is all there is. No, we all, and, and look, Abraham didn't start till he was 75. So it don't matter what you've done in the past. It matters what you're going to do in the future. You can start here today to live an extraordinary, supernatural life of faith. Well, when we left off, Abram had rescued his nephew Lot. Lot was living in that wicked town called Sodom, and uh, right next to Gomorrah. You remember those two places. And uh, some other kings had come in, 
and wiped those towns out and took all the people captive and stole all the stuff out of there. And so Abram, he's not even living in a town, but he's just got some sheep herders and stuff with him that own hire with him and family members and stuff. And he goes off and, and defeats four mighty kings and saves Lot and his family and rescues all the people from Sodom and Gomorrah. And he takes them back when all their, got all their stuff and everything. It was a pretty amazing victory. God granted Abram. And so Abram's coming back, and we pick it up today where the king of Sodom and the king probably of Gomorrah and all the surrounding towns, Zoar and all those towns, well, they meet Abram, and they're celebrating that Abram has brought their stuff back, and they're all meeting out in this field. is the way I picture it anyway, but they, they show up. But then there's this one man named Melchizedek that shows up at this party. And it says Melchizedek is a priest of the Most High God. And it describes him as a man without beginning or end. How does a man have no beginning or end? And it says he's a priest forever. His priesthood will last forever. In my lightning fast mind, I started thinking, that sounds like Jesus. Jesus is the, is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And since he shed his blood on the cross at Calvary, he became our high priest forever. Where he ever lives at the right hand of God to make intercession for us. And so I'm thinking, now I can't prove this, but and a lot of other scholars agree with this. I believe this is a pre-incarnate Jesus visiting the earth. Before he was born in a manger, he, many people think he would visit as the angel of the Lord at times or whatever. So this Melchizedek, if, if he's not Jesus, he's sure representing Jesus. Would you agree with that? Well, anyway, in Genesis 14, let's go ahead and turn there because we're going to stay in Genesis 14 and 15 pretty much as a basis of where we're launching from today. Genesis 14, verse 19. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who defeated your enemies for you. And then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. All the things that he had gotten back from those four kings and all the four kings stuff, he now was in possession of it, and he gives a tenth, or you could say a tithe, to Melchizedek, the high priest. And we see it's the first time that the tithe is, is the first example of a tithe that we have in the Bible. Tithe means tenth, of course. And it was before the law was given. I want you to understand, some people say that oh, I'm not under the law. I don't have to tithe. Well, the tithe wasn't instituted under the law. It is in the law. It was later a part of the law. But it was instituted before the law. And it was instituted not under guilt, not under compulsion, but it was instituted because simply because Abram was not going to come before the high priest of God without an offering. He wasn't going to come before God without tribute. You don't come before the president or the king of a country 
without bearing some kind of gift. And he brought what we see was the first, first tithe. He establishes the principle. And it's something God would later not only affirm, but God would command later on in the law, in the laws that he gave. And it's something that God takes personal. As you saw from uh, Brother Tom's scripture, will a man rob God? God takes it personal when we rob him of the tithe. Anyway, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give back my people who were captured. Now, now this isn't Melchizedek talking anymore. This old king of Sodom, he's the guy kind of like, you could see him as the, the little G God of this world, as well, almost you know, like the devil. He's, he's the representative of this wicked town, Sodom. He's going to step up and say his piece. He says to Abraham, give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods that you have recovered. And this is what Abram says to him. I solemnly swear to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or a sandal throne from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I'm the one who made Abram rich. See, Abram has gotten to a new place. He's telling this king of Sodom, you're not my supply. You are not my source. He's telling the world, I'm not trusting in the world's system anymore. I'm trusting in God. I'm on a supernatural, extraordinary life of faith, and God is my source now, and I don't, want, I don't even want your stuff anymore. I'm on a higher calling, and my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, and I don't want anybody saying the world made me rich. See, true faith trusts God what is, with what is often closest to our hearts, our billfold. <laughs> Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And see, that's what we hold on to the most. God said you can't love both money and God. You've got to make a choice. But let's not get too deep in that. But that's why God asked the tithe. I don't know why we've been talking about a tithe a lot lately because we've been talking about Abraham and that's what he, he instituted there. But, but God instituted a tithe so, he could see, so we could see where our heart is. You can tell where your heart is like that. Now, if we go to the New Testament in Hebrews 7, 7 in the King James Version, it's talking about Melchizedek, talking about this priest of the Most High God and talking about this situation, this tithing situation that just happened between him and Abram, it says, and without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. See, Abram is less than the most high God, mo most high priest of God. He's, he's clearly the less in this situation. The greater is Melchizedek, the high priest of the most high God. But you would think on the onset that the less is giving 10% to the greater. And so the greater would be blessed. But no, it says, the less is blessed of the better. Why? Because you can't get out give God. You give to God, he gives back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured back to you again. You can't out-bless God. Faith in God is always a winning proposition for us. The less is always blessed of the greater. 
No matter what it seems like when you're putting your money in that bucket or you're putting your time into that ministry. We are always the ones that end up blessed. That's what faith believes. We're blessed of the better. And faith like that, you know what it does? Oh, this is a good message today. You know what faith does? It breaks down human pride. See, that's always been man's problem is our pride. We don't need any help. We don't want anybody. Well, I'm not asking anybody. I'm going to do it my way. I, I run this show. I don't need anybody. Human pride always is a loner. But see, now Abraham, or Abram still, is growing so bold in his faith in the Most High God that he is serving. He's starting to see God give him this great victory over these four kings. How, you, how many know when you see a miracle in your life, it will stir you to a little deeper faith? He's finally, he's, he's almost probably 80 years old at this point, somewhere between 75 and 80 years old, and he finally gets to the point where he puts down his human pride long enough to ask for what's really in his heart. How many of you have never asked God for what's really in your heart? I remember when I first got saved, you know, I, I would ask God for take care of my family. Please help us pay the bills, God. Now lay me down to sleep. Pray to the Lord my soul to keep. You know, I'd pray for the basic things. But there were things that I really were in my heart that I wanted to be or I wanted to do, but I, I wasn't, I don't know, you know, I don't have that kind of relationship. I can't ask God for that. That's human pride. How many of you have ever sat down with God and said, God, you know, right or wrong, this is what's in my heart to do in my life. Would you help me do that? Or would you give me this that I need, that I've always longed for? See, as you trust and take a step of faith, you begin to see that God is good. And he wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to bless you. And as you get closer, you begin to let down those walls and you begin to say, I can trust God with my heart. I can trust him and ask him what I want without being afraid he won't do it. Think about that for a moment. Have you asked God or is your pride stopping you saying, well, you know, I'm just trying to make that happen on the side. I, that's too small for God. There's nothing too small for God. There's nothing too big for God either, by the way. I remember the story, and you probably do too, about old blind Bartimaeus. They would take blind Bartimaeus out. He was blind because blind Bartimaeus means he's blind. And <laughs> Old blind Bart, you know, I'm sure he had somebody help him go out to beg for alms, and he would lay his coat across his lap, and he would, alms, alms, you know, and they'd, throw some money in his lap or whatever, and that's how he made his living. Certainly somebody had to bring him out to, to the place, and I imagine that this, this one day that they say, you ready, Bart? He says, I want to go to the, to the end of Jericho today on the other side, on the exit, leaving towards Jerusalem. Why, Bart? You know, people coming into Jericho, that's where they got the money. They lose the money in Jericho. They've spent their money, and leaving, they don't give as many alms. You know that. You've tried that before. But I imagine blind Bart said, no, no. I hear that's where Jesus will be 
exiting town today and I want to have I want to have a meeting with Jesus. I want to I want to see Jesus. And so they take him out there and he sits on the side of the road and he lays his coat across his lap and he's asking for alms and he's waiting for his opportunity to ask God for what's in his heart. And here he hears a noise coming. He's got good uh, ear sight. Is that a word? No. He's got good hearing. And Jesus and his entourage begin to come through town. And, and blind Bart starts saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He don't know how far he is away, so he's just shouting it for all he's got, you know. He's boldly proclaiming, I need you, Jesus. And the people are like, be quiet, Bart. Oh, why, why'd you overhear anyway? This is Jesus coming through. Let the man walk through in peace. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's calling out with everything that's in him. And Jesus stops when he hears it. He said, bring that man to me. And the disciples are like, oh, come on, Bart. He wants to see you. Get up, get up. And old Bart throws that coat off, money and everything, and he hops off, and he's just like running over. No, no, Bart, he's over here. I don't know. I'm blind. Show me where he's at. An old blind Bart, they, they bring him over. He says, Jesus, Jesus. He says, what can I do for you, Bartimaeus? He said, that I might see, Lord. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole, Bartimaeus. Your bold faith. Your boldness to ask for what was in your heart. Your boldness to seek out God and not miss your opportunity. To trust in Jesus. And the funny thing is, is it says once his eyes were open, he celebrated and then he followed Jesus. That was a, a turning point in his life. He no longer is going to sit on the side of the road. He's walking down the road with Jesus. He's on an extraordinary supernatural life with Jesus now. And you know where Jesus went next? He made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And old blind Bart, no, not blind Bart anymore. Old wide-eyed Bart gets to watch as Jesus rides that little colt of a donkey. When them throwing the palm leaves out in front of him and shouting, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the, the crowds are cheering and the little kids are shouting. Oh, I would have loved to have seen that. And old wide-eyed Bart got to see it. Hallelujah, because say bold faith. He had bold faith. You know, he had a blind trust in a far-off God before. And some of us, we think, well, God, he, he'll just meet my needs if I can just get enough alms to live on today. But no, this man, he didn't want to be blind any longer. He wanted to be wide-eyed. And he wanted to be walking the road with his personal Savior. Not some far-off God. He wanted to make it personal and walk with Jesus. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see today. God wants you to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to, to be bold in your faith in Him, and to trust Him with your heart's desires. There was a story that Jesus told about a widow who had been done wrong, and so she goes to this unjust judge. Now, the Bible says this Judge, he didn't care anything about God. He didn't care anything about man. He didn't care anything about justice. Somehow he got on the throne behind the gavel, and he just does what he wants to do. He's unjust. He's not a godly man at all. 
And so this widow comes before him with her case, and she says, give me justice. And he says, get out of here. I ain't got time to hear that. Sends her on her way, but the next day, there she is early again. This goes on for some time. And finally, this unjust judge says, just give this woman what she wants so she'll stop messing with me. She's getting on my last nerve. And you know what Jesus said in Luke 18, 7? He said, even the unjust judge rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, this is Jesus speaking. He will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many on earth will he find who even have faith? If we understood how important it is to believe, man, faith is the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Not your faith, but who you believe in can move that mountain because of your seed. Hallelujah. Say persistent faith. The first example was bold faith. Now we have an example of persistent faith. Keep on asking like you, want, like you believe you're going to receive. And God will come quickly. There's a scripture in James that says you have not because you ask not. Right? Jesus tells another story. No, 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 it's not a story he tells. It's a situation that happens to him. He's walking along, and a Gentile woman comes up. Now, you've got to understand, this woman is desperate. Like that. She's crying out. Ah! My daughter, she's filled with demons. They possess her. And it's killing her, and it's killing me, Jesus. Please. Now, you can imagine, mothers, if your daughter was possessed by a demon. Thank the Lord, mine's not. You would be crying out. This, this woman is desperate, and she, she seeks Jesus out, and she's, she asks for his help. And, and all the disciples say, get this woman out of here. We didn't come for the Gentiles. We're, we're Jews. You know, back in those times, there was a big difference between Jews and Gentiles. And Jesus just keeps on walking past her. Well, that's rude, Jesus. But she keeps following and saying, Jesus, help me. Have mercy on me. Heal my daughter. And then Jesus looks and he says, I've only come for the Jewish people, not for the Gentiles. And he keeps on walking. Well, Jesus, is this the Jesus I know? And she, and she comes and she says, Jesus, and she keeps crying out. He said, it's not right for me to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. He calls her a dog. Jesus? Rude. Say rude. rude. You calling Jesus rude? Y'all going to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> but he finally elicited the kind of faith that he was setting her up for. She said, but Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. 
Then he stopped. And I can almost just picture his eyes tearing up because it was probably killing him having to pretend that he didn't care to see where her heart really was. And he said, you have great faith. Your daughter is healed. You have great faith. See, this woman was not only bold, but she was bold and persistent. And Jesus said, that's great faith. Get outside of your comfort zone. Keep on asking and be persistent. Your faith is great. Your daughter is healed, and her daughter was healed at that self-same hour. Wow. So this is where Abram has finally gotten to. He's gotten to a place that he's walked with God long enough that his faith has become bold and it's become expectant, expecting that God will answer. And in Genesis 15, 5, did I even tell you what Abram was asking for? I forgot that part, didn't I? Abram was saying he doesn't have a child. He's like, I can imagine it. God, you, you remember when me and Sarah were married as teenagers and, and we lived through our 20s without children and people made fun of us and we tried and we tried and, and nothing happened and our hearts were broken and then through our 30s and 40s we, we tried to put it out of our mind and we tried to pretend like it never happened in our 50s and 60s. We went on with life, but I, remember the nights that I held Sarah close and and try to tell her it's going to be okay, but I didn't have the power to change the situation. God, you're saying that I'm going to be the father of many nations, but I don't even have a son. I don't even have a child. My heir is one of my servants. I'll have to leave all my stuff to one of my servants. And in Genesis 15:5, I think it is, it says, then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. You ever tried to do that? That's how many descendants you will have. Because Abram has bold and expectant faith or persistent faith, God is trying to add to his life expectant faith. I want you to look. I want you to get a picture, a mental picture, so that you can become expectant because faith believes that those things which you say shall come to pass. Faith is expectant that it is going to happen. It calls those things which be not as though they were because it believes that God is able. God not only wants you to ask for what you want, but he wants you to believe that you're going to receive it. Whatsoever things that you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, I think it is. If you can see it, God is creating a principle here. Look at the stars, Abram. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can grasp it, you can clasp it. If you can view it, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> if you can catch the vision, you can fetch the provision. Huh? 
You got to see it. You got to have an expectant heart. That's what faith does. It reaches out and grabs it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It receives it now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Expectant faith. God is always building us bigger. You remember we did a whole series about being bigger on the inside. He does that through expectancy. We expect God to move. We begin to change our attitudes. Right? We don't, well, I always get the flu. Every year you get the flu. Well, this year I'm not getting the flu. I know who my healer is. Well, you've always been poor. Well, you don't have to be poor no more. The gospel is good news to the poor. I'm believing God's word over the circumstances or what grandma used to say or what everything has happened in the past. I'm believing God now. I have bold, persistent, expectant faith. Woo! <laughs> Verse 6, Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And this was a defining moment in the, all of the history of mankind. He was counted righteousness because of what he believed. All the other false gods, no gods at all, the fake religions, the cults, and everybody else, they all, you have to be good enough to come before God. You have to be good enough to be right with God. But right here, because of Abram's faith, God declares that we are righteousness, right with God because of faith. We're saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. We're made right through what we believe about God. Through our faith. And it's so much better than just hoping I've been good enough to get there. That's miserable. And it's really miserable for a Christian that don't understand that you don't have to play that game. You can be free. When will, you, when will you believe that our God is good? I'm probably speaking to somebody here because we're in all different places in our faith walk. And you've got to get to a place where you begin to trust in his goodness, that he can be trusted. When will your human pride give away to the fact that God is good all the time? That all things are working together for your good because he loves you and you're called according to his purpose. You have made an exchange. You have given yourself. And he has given his self in a covenant relationship. And the less will always be blessed by the greater. Because God is greater. And now I have access to everything that is his is mine. I'm heirs according to the faith of Abraham. This stuff is passed down. This is eternal covenant that he made that you're about to see with Abram. Woo! When will you believe that God is good? Psalm 63, 1. The psalmist, I believe, David says, My, he says, let me write this, make sure. Oh God, you are my God. He addresses him as, Oh God. But then he says, you are my God. See, there's a difference in him being God in the sky, but being your God. 
I often call him the Lord who comes to me. That's my pet name for the Lord. He's the Lord. Lord, you're the Lord that comes to me. Because I've felt him. I have experienced him. I have seen the supernatural. And I know he comes to me. Maybe you have a pet name for him. But oh God, you are my God. You're not just some force out there that I believe maybe created the, the, the world or whatever and I need to have some kind of moral righteous standard to meet your no 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 he is my God I know him I know him and I know he's good oh God you are my God and I earnestly search for you my soul thirsts for you my whole body longs for you in a parched and weary land where there's no water. And I'm telling you, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death down here. We need him desperately. He is our manna from heaven. He is our water from the rock. He leads us beside still waters when everything is going crazy. He feeds us. Anoints our head with oil. You're my God. You know, I often say... People say, that's Pastor Guy's church down there. I, that's the, I hate to hear that. That's the worst thing a pastor could hear. No, this is our church. I want you to say, this is my church. Everything that we do here is to get you to see that this is your relationship with God. This is your church. This is your destiny. This is your purpose that we're trying to foster here. The passionate pursuit of true purpose in people's lives. Everything. is So that it becomes personal. To you, we don't want anybody to get up to heaven. And the, he said, you said, Lord, Lord, but I never knew you. We're not serving some false Allah. Some false Buddha. That you got to pray a certain way and stand a certain way and do a certain thing before you can entertain. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. And obtain mercy and grace in our time of need. Because of the blood of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus. Because he paid the price. He paid the cost to be our boss. And we can know him. And we can live and walk with him. And it's personal. It is so personal. If he's impersonal to you. I, I beg you. I beseech you in the name of Jesus. To rethink and not be satisfied with the dry and parched land that you're living in when, when you can walk into the promised land. You can get up off the side of the road, blind Bart, and you can walk with Jesus. God finally recognizes that Abram's, his faith is all in now. He's bold, he's persistent, he's got expectant faith. So now, God says, I want to cut covenant with you, Abram. And he instructs him to get some animals, and he cuts them in half, and some birds, and spills the blood down this little trail. And they're going to cut the blood covenant together. God has found a man that he can cut covenant with. But while Abraham prepares, and he gets everything ready, and he's waiting on God to cut, come cut covenant, these vultures begin to come in. Begin to try to steal the meat away and pull pieces of the sacrifice away. And it says, Abraham, shoot them off. Abraham didn't just sit there on his haunches and let the devil come in and steal parts of his covenant. 
pick away things out of his mind and say, no, that I believe in healing, but I don't believe in this. I believe he didn't let the vultures come in and steal the blood covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was vigilant. You need to be bold. You need to be expectant. You need to be persistent, and you need to be vigilant. Watch over the covenant that the Lord has given you. Don't sit there and let the enemy rob you of your blessings. We must fight to possess what is ours. Say vigilant. I've been quoting this one quote. This is probably the fifth time in my, lately. But it's so good. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, you may hear him on Bot Radio Network sometimes. He says, eternal vigilance is the price of Christian liberty. We don't just say it one time and receive the promise and never have to say it again. Faith comes by hearing. That, that's a repetitive thing. We've got to walk this out. When, they went, when the Israelites crossed over the Jordan to go in to possess the promised land, the people didn't say, oh, you come to get my stuff? Here's the keys to my house. Here's my car. You know, I got three donkeys out in the back. Here's the key to the shed. We're out of here. Y'all have fun. No, they had to fight for everything. God gave it to them, and he gave them the victory in the battle, but they had to do the fighting. And we have to be vigilant about the promises of God. Genesis 15, 17, let's go on. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham, or Abram saw a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between the halves of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day and said, I have given this land to your descendants all the way from the borders of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. I want to say that again. I have given this land to your descendants. He's talking to Abram, who is the father of many nations, who would be the father of the Israelites. I have given it all the way from the border of Egypt to the great Euphrates River. They're now... Now the land occupied by the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites, and any other ites that may have stuck around. But I want to make this point. God clearly gave the hotly disputed land of Israel to his people. There wasn't so, such a thing as a Palestinian at this point. You understand? His people are the Jews, the nation of Israel, will always be the apple of God's eye. I firmly believe that. He brought the law through the Jews. He brought in Abraham. Abraham was the first. And then, then he brought in his son, Jesus, grown as a descendant of David, a Jew. He used the Jewish people as an example in the word of God so that we can see what not to do mostly and a lot of what, what to do. And they will always be the apple of God's eye. And when his attention turns from us Gentiles in this age of grace that we're living in, there'll be a seven-year period called the tribulation where he'll turn his attention back to the Jews. And many of them will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm saying that today to say that even the Jews who came back into the land of Israel in 1948 after 2,000 years of exile... Never happened in the history of mankind that a nation ever reformed 
But because this is God's chosen people, he gave them their land back in 1948. They repossessed their capital, Jerusalem, in 1967. And we know them as the nation of Israel today. They still have to be super vigilant to make sure that nobody comes in and steals what God has re-given them. The reason they lost it in the first place because they lost their vigilance. They lost their faith. God watches over his word to perform it. His word will come to pass. We watch over his word to keep it. And we watch over his word to keep the promises that we have received by the word. Let me say that again. God watches over his word to perform it. It will accomplish what he sent it to do. We watch over his word to keep it so that we can be pleasing in his sight. And we watch over his word to make sure that we hold on to the covenant blessings that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Rick said, you need to go get a starter. I can't remember if he told me Napa or somewhere. He told me, go get you a starter and put it on that truck and you'll be just fine. And so I did. I bought a starter. I got under that thing. I didn't know what I was doing. But now I know two things, how to jiggle the battery cables and how to put a starter on. <clears throat> but I put a starter on, and then that cr truck cranked for the rest of the time I had it. I didn't have to believe for a miracle every time I got in the truck. And see, if you're a Christian and you're living from miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle, day after day, you're doing it wrong. Sometimes God will give you a miracle when you need it, but oftentimes God will give you the wisdom to take care of your business so you don't need a miracle. God is a good dad. He's taking care of his children. He's teaching them how to be a young man, how to be a young lady, how to do things. He likes to walk it out with you. He likes to see your development. Christians don't need to live miracle to miracle to miracle. If you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. Just about the only miracles that I have to believe for these days are for other people. I spend my time believing for miracles for other people. That's the way it's supposed to work for a Christian. Amen? And sometimes faith, I'm going to close with this. It may be learning to accept that God's answer is no. You may believe for something. You may ask God for something. And he says no. What are you going to do? Well, my faith don't work. God's a liar. No, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He says, no, you have to have the faith to believe it's for your own good. As much as you may hate it. Well, I want this. But God, if your answer is no, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There's faith right there. There's faith right there. Somebody listening? Faith trusts that God knows best. Faith is fueled by a love in Jesus and a love for others. A belief that if I give God everything, if I trust him, Lord, my tithes, my offerings, every, 
my time, the things that you require of me. If I give my life over to you, you know, I thought I was going to be this superstar singer or whatever, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you and use my talents for your kingdom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what you say. I'm going to give my heart over to you because I believe that the least, the less will be blessed by the greater in this exchange. And that the, the life that you will give me will be far greater than anything that I could have accomplished on my own. God's kind of faith is bold, persistent, expectant, and it's vigilant. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.